0: Thanks for joining us for The Whole Spectrum. I'm Catherine Parks, and I'm here with my husband Eric to talk about what it means, in the words of Francis Schaeffer, for the lordship of Christ to permeate the whole spectrum of life, and for us, our view of art in particular. We love to discuss the films we see from a Christian perspective, so we invite you to join us as we cover the whole spectrum of the movie world, from classics to independent films to blockbusters.
1: Welcome back to the show. Catherine, it's been a very long time since we've done one of these. It's summertime, so our kids are out of school. Um, We've done some traveling. It's just harder to get a podcast going when there's a lot going on. But also, there's the summer glut of movies we don't always enjoy, which is studio reboots, studio sequels, um, just a lot of stuff I'm not crazy about. Um, But anyway, we're back, and uh, how has your summer been so far?
0: It's been almost exactly like yours.
1: What? (laughs) That is so crazy. That's so interesting. It's so similar.
0: It's been full of a lot of uh, the NBA playoffs.
1: Oh, yeah. The
0: Stanley Cup finals.
1: Yes, Nashville Predators. So close.
0: So, I feel like sports are over and we have our lives back, and now it's time to talk movies.
1: Yes, it's been a while. One of our listeners recently told me
0: (laughs) (laughs) that joke might be getting old
1: now one of our listeners recently said that hey you guys haven't done anything in a while i'd like to catch up so hey we're going to give you something first of all we'd like to talk really quickly about a book by josh larson he's the co-host of the podcast film spotting he's just come out with a book called movies are prayers and we received an advanced copy of this and got to read through it and we absolutely loved it Um, the tagline is how films voice our deepest longings um, can you give just a really quick synopsis on what movies Our Prayers is?
0: Yeah, so the the podcast that Josh is part of um, is not for a faith based or Christian audience, uh, and basically, I think what he does in the book is going through different kinds of prayers: prayers of lament, prayers of worship, prayers of rejoicing, and um, Thanksgiving. Yeah, supplication, anger, all of these different. Kinds of prayers that we pray, and he selects movies that reflect that. So basically, the idea is, when a movie is made, the the filmmaker is saying something, and whether he or she is aware that, you know, what they're creating is a prayer or not. All of our questions, why is this happening, or our anger or our happiness, um, those things have to be expressed to someone. Yeah. And so he argues, and I think very effectively, that we're actually expressing those things to God. Uh, And so the way he does that and pulls things out is really neat. Even if you haven't seen a lot of the movies that he's talking about, I think it's a great read. Um, One of the things I loved was just seeing some of the reviews from people who are not believers And said, you know, that that Josh gave them a category for thinking about film that they had never considered before. So I think it's a great thing to even read with um, non-believers and discuss with them.
1: Ooh, next book club. Selection. Yes, you're welcome. (laughs) Um, So, aside from that, that's a great book. Please check it out. But we wanted to jump into a movie we saw recently called Wonder Woman. This is from D.C., comics um most people are probably familiar at least to a little extent with who she is um but before she was wonder woman she was diana princess of the amazons a trained warrior and when a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world she leaves home to fight a war to end all wars discovering her full powers and true destiny
0: did you write that
1: i did not i read it straight (laughs) from imdb um So, a little background on the film, it was directed by a female, which is great and it's probably the way it needed to be. Uh, It was also the first film, I believe, directed by a female with a $100 million plus budget. I think it was $150 million. And it's done amazingly well at the box office in the first couple weekends. So that's, that's really good for, I guess, breaking the glass ceiling. Um, and I think we'll get just a little bit into gender politics probably in this podcast and several other things, feminism, no doubt. Um, but anyway, what, um, can you give just a little bit of background on the, the dude who created the character of Wonder Woman?
0: Yeah, so my understanding, uh, she was created in the early 40s. And, you know, Superman and Batman kind of came about as these pop symbols during World War II. And there's a psychologist, William Moulton Marston. And he decided that there needed to be kind of a a female figure who um, kind of rivaled their uh, overwhelming masculinity and became this figure that women could relate to. And so he created Diana Prince, uh, who comes to, um, in his story, America, and dons the identity of Wonder Woman. And... um, And so his background, he was a a scientist and a psychologist and actually helped invent the lie detector test. He had some very weird ideas about women. Some of them, um, he was, you know, very progressive and a feminist. And then he also did some really weird things and uh, insisted that in every comic, Wonder Woman would be bound in some way because he believed that women liked uh, being submissive in that manner this
1: just got weird
0: (laughs) so there's just kind of a weird background there to her but she became especially with the rise of rosie the riveter and some of these figures and women kind of taking up the mantle of um, doing a lot of work with men away at war wonder woman became this figure that women could relate to
1: so in the story we start out with uh, diana as this little girl she's growing up with all these like Xena warrior princess type women, and growing up, learning how to fight. Um, and she is the daughter of the queen?
0: Yeah, of the Amazons.
1: And yeah, queen of the Amazons. Um, and then part of her, her background, when we're finding out more about how she came to be, who she really is, that's when things get interesting. And you learn more about her, her powers, and yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. Um, and so she, everything's just so great on the island of the Amazons, everything's wonderful, it's peaceful, there, but they're also always training, they're always these, they're just ready for battle anytime. Uh, somehow, I don't really know how, but Chris Pine's character, a World War I um, spy, he somehow breaks through like a portal, a rift in space and time and ends up in, what is this place called? I keep calling it the land of the Amazons.
0: Uh, the Mascara?
1: The, mas- the Mascara? Not the Mascara, as I thought <laughs> was being said, because it's a girly thing, I thought Mascara. Wow. Um, <laughs> and you are no feminine. <laughs> and so he breaks through, and thing. then he brings with him all these uh, bad World War One Germans who are trying to kill him. So a big fight ensues on the beach, uh, but ultimately she finds out hey that there's this big war going on in the outside world and she wants to be a part of it cuz she wants to fight uh the bad guys ultimately the bad guy is ares who is the mythical god of war they go into some of this mythology about uh zeus the god of thunder
0: well he he is the, the god, god the god okay
1: King and of all gods. He, and he is fighting against ares the god of war Uh, Who basically had fallen from grace. So it sounds a lot like God and Lucifer. Um, Of course, this is mythology is coming from um, out of pagan cultures, but there's a lot of uh, Judeo Christian themes coming out of uh, some of this mythology. So that's interesting to me.
0: Yeah, actually, a lot of my high school Greek mythology was coming back to me, and I was wishing that I had paid a little bit more attention. Uh. So I think. yeah, it's interesting to kind of do a little bit of study and, and figure out some of the background of the plot and what was happening in the mythological side of things.
1: So when we get to what we would consider the real world, we have found out that World War I has been going on for a while, and now we're in London. But Wonder Woman can't just walk around London like in her short little skirt. She's got to dress like a common person so she doesn't stand out. And so there's a lot of neat uh, and kind of funny and lighthearted interplay between Chris Pine's character and her character. And almost some of it feels uh, romantic comedy-ish, but I think it all works really well. I think they did a good job with humor in this to lighten it up a little bit. Um, And I think the chemistry there is really good as well.
0: Yeah, well, I think you appreciate her kind of innocence, too, as she comes in. In her mind, she's coming, she's going to find Ares, she's going to restore everything, and um, and the world will be all right again. I and think that's
1: a major, a major uh, character element that is very integral to who she is that you don't see in other superhero characters.
0: Yeah. And, and some of it, you know, it's naivete, but it's also innocence. Now, some of that innocence, you could argue, goes away later on in various ways, but... Um, but yeah, you see her as someone who uh, is very pure of heart coming yeah. in and, um, and just wants to fulfill her mission and do the right thing.
1: Yeah, I think of her as kind of Will Ferrell's elf. <laughs> or um, what's the un- unbreakable... Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt, yeah. <laughs> just everything she sees is so fascinating, so cool and interesting. And um, she's getting really excited when she sees a little baby. Because babies are so cute. And then she, when she tastes ice cream for the first time, she's just in heaven. It's just the most amazing thing she's ever tasted. Anyway, so it's fun to see, these um, again, this innocence, naivete of, of this woman who is for the first time experiencing so much of what we take for granted.
0: Yeah. So eventually we see her become Wonder Woman in a way, although that term is never actually used in the film. Yeah. Uh, and we see... Um, you know, elements of sacrifice, and we see her uh, kind of blazing the path in a lot of ways and um, taking the heat so that, that people can do the things they need to do, all while she's on her path to ultimately fight Aries. This is yeah, her mission.
1: When she's fighting, uh, taking the lead, uh, fighting against men, saving men's lives, and what's interesting is when she really comes into her own is this big battlefield sequence in World War I where I think the area is called No Man's Land. And I think that's, there's a big point to that. And so she just runs across, decimates everybody um, almost single-handedly. And so again, that's, uh, that's very intentional, I think, with the No Man's Land and her, her kind of doing her thing there.
0: Yeah, so Overall, I mean, we don't want to give everything away for the few people who maybe haven't seen it, but I think you went into it with um, maybe not the skepticism that you would normally go into a superhero
1: movie. That's true, because I don't like superhero movies. We've seen them before. We've seen it all. I really like Batman, uh, the Christopher Nolan trilogy, but aside from that, I'm not crazy about the other superheroes. So my expectations weren't super high but I thought it was interesting to have a female in this one, so um, I was willing to give it a shot. And the theater we went to had recliners, (laughs) and they were leather, and that made it quite enjoyable, (laughs) the experience. (laughs) So, yeah, what did you think, though, about Gal Gadot, uh, the the actress who plays Wonder Woman?
0: Well, I think we've been waiting for Gal Gadot.
1: No? Oh, (laughs) wow. Waiting for Gadot. Oh. or or. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we've been waiting for uh, a female. And she's of Israeli descent, I believe. Um, Has done some acting in, like, some of the Fast and Furious movies. Don't know which ones. Don't know if it's, like, number three or number seven.
0: We have a friend who can help us with that, though.
1: Probably. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I thought she, she did a really good job. She was physically strong. She was able to cry when she needed to and emote. She was able to um, get angry, be intense, be soft, be funny. So that she, she spanned um, the emotions with her acting. She did a pretty good job with that. Um, but yeah, I think it was a pretty physically demanding role, and I think she knocked all that out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely made me want to come home and work out. That sentiment has since passed. <laughs> <laughs> but in the moment, I was really feeling it.
1: Now, did you think with... Uh, a female superhero there was anything that you didn't appreciate about this about her
0: well i will say that i haven't seen that many superhero movies either but i think there are things about this um iteration of wonder woman that are extremely relatable i think they do play up her compassion and her empathy and some very feminine elements to her uh, that you don't get, you know, from a lot of your male superheroes. There's not the, the ego, really, um, mm-hmm. and you see really the theme is love in a lot of ways. And, and so I think there's a strength to having a, a female superhero that really plays on some of these very human um, and, in a lot of ways, feminine characteristics. And so that I really appreciated
1: oh i'm sorry no go ahead well with that theme of love that you just brought up um it reminds me of jesus plain and simple so i saw her as a christ figure do you also see her as christ figure do you disagree is there any room for anything in between there
0: i mean i think just about every superhero is a christ figure in some way Mm -hmm. uh one thing that i do think is interesting um, and then I don't think this is really a spoiler, but at the end she talks about how I, I wish I could remember the exact quote, but she makes a statement that basically, no hero can save humanity from ourselves. And I think that that was just really interesting. She plays up love and and kind of develops gradually this um, more realistic view of the world that it's not just, oh, here you have these evil bad guys and and you yeah. have the good guys. but kind of the the depravity, but also the uh, capacity for great good in people. And and so you get more nuance there. Um,
1: Yeah, because I think the human condition was on display, whether we're seeing the worst in people or seeing some of the best in people. Mm -hmm. I thought that was good. There was a little bit of gray as opposed to completely black and white like um, superhero movies and fantasy movies so often do.
0: But ultimately, I think... um, you know, you see her and her, the limits to what she can do. Mm -hmm. And you see her saying, no hero can really do this, can save people in the way that I thought, you know, I could, or whatever the case, um, whatever that quote was at the end. And so I think really it leaves you, I, I don't know, it could leave people thinking, oh, well, there is nothing we, we have to, it, it can be very humanistic. Like, we have to save ourselves because sure. it's up to us. No hero can do this. Um, but there's also kind of this maybe healthy dissatisfaction with even this great hero can't do it. And so there's this yearning and desire for someone even greater um, yeah. that gets beyond kind of the um, someone greater who, uh, you know, is able to to fully take on the humanity instead of, uh, she starts the movie out by talking about how, you know, she she doesn't know exactly how she feels about mankind and humanity and and kind of sits in judgment of humanity. Um,
1: And asks whether they're worth saving, whether they deserve to be saved the way that she's uh, learning things about uh, humanity.
0: Yeah, but ultimately uh, the far greater hero is one who would take on that humanity and die for all of those people who don't deserve it, and so yeah. I think, um, I think, yeah. I mean, you could make the argument that in some ways she's a Christ figure, but I think she, th- the role does a far greater job of pointing to the need for someone greater.
1: Yeah. Well, and two, I'm pulling some of that too from at least three quick shots, uh, especially toward the end where she's kind of floating/slash flying/slash jumping. I'm not sure which, but she's got her arms extended, her feet straight down. It looks very much like. Christ on on the cross. Oh, Christ on the cross. The Karate Kid, really?
0: (laughs) That was all I could think when she did that move. Was when he's standing on the. Oh
1: yeah. Well, he was a Christ figure too. Apparently, (laughs) he was gonna kick the crap out of Satan.
0: Wow. Uh, Back to your original question. Yes, Christ figure. No, about um, how I felt about her as.
1: Yes, about a a female female superhero.
0: So I think there's a lot of good, but also, I mean, she was in a lot of ways completely unrelatable. And, you know, my initial reaction was you get Christian Bale as Batman who has to battle all of these inner things and
1: yeah, a lot of demons. A lot you of see
0: a lot of physical weakness darkness. in him at times. And yeah, um, and you see Spider-Man who doesn't really have a lot of physical strength on his own and doesn't necessarily even want the power that he has and um
1: superman has kryptonite
0: right and wonder woman is perfect in every way i mean she she has lip gloss on when she's fighting the god of war she's
1: we never noticed a bead of sweat on her right hair was always perfect
0: no physical weakness really even this cut she gets heals pretty much immediately and i mean and this is because of who we find out that she actually is, but huh. that's not really a spoiler. No, but it's it's a hint. it's interesting. But in that way, I think, gosh, I mean, women get kind of the shaft a little bit on this it's just by having our superhero be the most perfect woman of all time.
1: You want someone a little dumpier, a little hairier, <laughs> maybe scratches too much. <laughs> Maybe he lets out a couple burps. Like, no, no big deal. Just just a regular, real woman. Ooh, brother. <laughs> now, no. Now, I understand what you're saying because you said something, too, about Rosie the Riveter. Now, there was a strong, down-to-earth, middle America woman, uh, whereas, like you're saying, they've got an Israeli supermodel who's going to play Wonder <laughs> Woman, who obviously trained for six or eight months beforehand to get super strong and fit and good-looking and perfect hair. So I understand that it's somewhat unrelatable, yeah. Um,
0: well, and I think of it through the lens, too, of what are the things about this that I would love for my daughter to see and what are the things that I feel like could be harmful for her? And if this is who we're holding up as this is a true woman, then that can be really frustrating sure. and um, just cause a lot of self-defeat for, you know, a young girl growing up thinking, oh, well, that's that's who I need to be. That's the example of strength. Now, in a lot of ways, it's great. Um, she's not totally hypersexualized in the way that she could have been. Yeah,
1: I appreciate it. They did a pretty good job with that, I thought. And yeah. some of that just plays because of her innocence um, yeah. that uh, sexuality isn't even really, it's discussed in the movie, but not in a, necessarily a perverse way or mm-hmm. a, a gauche way, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and so there's a lot of good that I could point out. I mean, my daughter's not old enough, or my daughter, our daughter, she's Yeah, we, we have the same one. Yeah, <laughs> she's not old enough yet, yeah. Um, but yeah, I kept thinking about, okay, this is a different story, but the story that I kept wanting to see, which was not the movie that I was at, and I understand this, but I wanted to see the story of the literal strong women who, you know, were wives and mothers and, you know, single women, nurses, all of these women who were behind the scenes or on their own front lines during this devastating war, World War I. Um,
1: If you want that, you just need to call the midwives. There you go. Boom, got (laughs) them.
0: So, uh, apparently I just wasn't seeing the movie that I wanted to see.
1: Overall, I liked it. Uh, My only critique, and I appreciate your critique of it, I think that's really, really good. Um, My critique was some of the dialogue They were throwing in lines that were obviously written by a screenwriter from 2016 or 17, as opposed to someone living during World War I. One time, Chris Pine says to somebody, I'm a big fan of your work, or something like that. Nobody said big fan until the 90s or 2000s. (laughs) The other one I didn't like was Wonder Woman saying something to him, and he says, Neat. And so you and I argued a little bit about would Neat have been around in 1917 and you um, and your desire for accuracy, you looked it up <laughs> on Google and found out that didn't actually appear until the 1930s. So I was vindicated there. And then there was yeah. one more line. that there was. There
0: was one when they are in the car. What was that?
1: Oh, and the other line that was a little bit silly was, yeah, just play it cool. Okay, nobody said that. Cool didn't come around <laughs> until the 40s or 50s. Anyway, so some of the dialogue I wasn't crazy about. So aside, though, from those little things, overall, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was highly enjoyable. The director did a good job. Chris Pine did a really good job. Gal Gadot did a really good job. And uh, so I will give it three and a half out of four stars. What about you?
0: Uh, I'd give it three, probably. Okay. I mean, it's it was, yeah, it was enjoyable. It's not necessarily always my cup of tea, but um, yeah. Well,
1: and we'll see two coming up soon. Uh, I think in two years we've got Brie Larson playing Captain Marvel for Marvel Studios, and that'll be their first um, female superhero lead, um, who's gonna kind of run the movie. So we'll see yeah. how that plays well, out.
0: Brie Larson, she's my idea.
1: of A little more, a superhero. little more normal, not a supermodel. <laughs> Um and then I'm also fascinated to see I think next year, next February, Black Panther comes out and so that'll be kind of a main African American superhero who's it's his movie. And it looks um I don't know much about the comic, but from what I've seen in the recent preview is it looks like a lot of it has um African culture or or a culture closely tied to things that look African to me. So I think that'll be really neat. Too, to see some of these um, women and minorities getting their own films, and we'll see how those play out uh, across the states and across the world.
0: If you have any opinions on any of this, if you liked it, you didn't like it, you think we're crazy, let us know. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and don't forget, uh, look for a copy of Movies Are Prayers. You will not regret it.